Is it right or right? This morning, we thank God for all of his wonderful blessings. This morning also, one of the blessings is, we are going to hear a slightly younger young man preach the gospel. Let us give him a kind, undivided attention as he, com- as he comes forth and preach the word of God. Amen. I, I think you, you, you might have seen him around here somewhere. I think you might know him. Right. I'll let him say his name. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning, and we're glad to be in the house of the Lord. And the sisters have had a wonderful weekend, and uh, we, we just give God praise for all of, his, all of his blessings, but we especially give him praise when He comes through for us, and he always comes through for us on a regular basis, and we're so thankful for that. And I'm thankful and honored to be uh, standing here to deliver the message following the Ladies' Day. And you probably already know what the subject is. Normally, after the Ladies' Day, the uh, Brother Brown either brings in a a guest minister or he delivers the message himself. But we know that uh, he's slowing down now, so he's needing some help, and I've been asked to do the lesson, so I'm honored to to do that. And I'm prayerful that this morning that what we share will be of some benefit and some help to each of us, because as as, as we're going through this lesson, there's so much information uh, and so much that can be said on this particular subject, supper's ready. There's so much information and there's so much that can be said and there's so many uh, perspectives that we can, uh, can, can glean from. So I had to make sure I whittled it down to uh, a lesson that was uh, at least an hour and a half or less. <laughs> so, as Brother Brown said, uh, peace, peace, all is well. <laughs> I, I promise you I will not be up here that long. <laughs> Let's turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, that's going to be the text we're going to begin with. We're going, to look at, we're going to look at this particular parable and another text as well. Luke chapter 14. Beginning with verse number 15. The Bible reads, And when one of them that sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must need go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, 
Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I want to read something to you to begin. God's presence is real, full of love and completely transformational. It takes what was broken and brings healing. It takes what was lost and guides us to our rightful place in the Father. It satisfies the weary, brings light to the darkness, and pours out the refreshing rain of God's love on the driest, deepest parts of the soul. Scripture contains story after story of God coming down to meet God's children where they are. And your Heavenly Father has the same heart for you as He did them. He longs to make the reality of His presence known to you. He longs to refresh you with His nearness. You were created for encountering God. And you will never be satisfied until you continually live in the experience for which you were created. Allow your desires to be stirred up and encounter the living God as we read the powerful stories of God's people encountering his manifest presence. And may you respond to God's word by seeking out that for which you were created. And that is continual, a continual encounter with your heavenly father. The reading of this text this morning, it's, it's simply a microcosm. It's, it's a small part of the love that God has for humanity. We often talk about the love of God and the lengths to which God will go to demonstrate that love. When we look at creation, we see that God spared no effort in ensuring that man was provided with everything that he needed to comfortably exist on earth. God has from the very beginning had a heart for man, and his primary desire was that man would also have a heart for him. Second Peter 1, verse, verses 1 through 4, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has gone through great lengths to provide the things that mankind needs. He has spared no effort in ensuring that man has everything that he needs. This text tells us that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given us everything that we need to show us how to live this life and how to be comfortable and how to, how to live a righteous life as we live down here on his planet Earth. And again, he's spared no effort. From the beginning, it has always been God's desire to have a loving relationship with mankind. 
Despite man's disobedience, God's desire for man is that he repent of his wickedness and return to that loving relationship that awaits him. And this love that God has for man did not begin with creation. The love that man has, that, that we see demonstrated, that we read about in the scripture, that did not start with Genesis 1 and 1. The Bible tells us that God, before the foundation of the world, he devised or, or created, came up with this plan to redeem man from his sin. He created a plan for man before there even was a man. Can you imagine, you, you think, think about a, an expectant mother. During that nine months that she is uh, preparing for that child, she's going out and she's getting uh, the, 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 the crib and, and decorating the room and getting all of the things that that child needs to make sure that that child has what he or she will need once they arrive. That's the same thing that God did for us. He created and he provided, he provided a, a, a way of escape. He provided a plan for us to redeem us and bring us back because he knew we were going to sin. He provided a way for us to be redeemed and reconciled unto him before he even created us. He knew we were going to sin, but yet he, divided, he devised a plan to bring us back to him. And that plan involved the death of his son. How much love, how, we, we can't imagine the type of love that God has shown in devising a plan that would involve his son being tortured and murdered before he even created man. For a man that he knew was going to sin before he even created him, he said, well, this is the plan that's going to bring them back to me. So the supper was being prepared long before the foundation of the world. This supper took a long time to prepare. And so as we read this, this text in Luke chapter 14, we see why that, 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 that host was so disappointed and so angry with individuals who refused his invitation. Now, their, their refusal, they were, not that it was right for them to refuse, not that it was honorable, but at least they had some uh, somewhat respect. They said, please excuse us. They at least said that. But when you look at this account in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse number one, I want you to see this from a different perspective. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse one, Jesus also told them, Jesus answered, and, I'm sorry, I was reading the, uh, the NLT, <laughs> Jesus answered and spake unto them again the parable and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their ways, and one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. I'm going to read this same text in the New Living Translation. Jesus told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven 
can be likened or can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and fatted, fattened calf, cattle have been killed and everything is ready, come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. When I looked at, when I was over here uh, on uh, Friday evening, watching the sisters uh, in, in early Saturday morning, I watched the sisters as they prepared and put together the final touches and final pieces uh, to the program. I thought about this lesson today, Supper's Ready, and I thought about the preparation that, that God made on our behalf. Nothing that the sisters did is in comparison to what, what God did. I'm just making a point here. But I watched them as they, 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 they bustled about and they, they were making sure that everything was just so and making sure everything was just right. And it just, it makes you emotional when you think about that in relationship to this, this lesson. They, they, they wanted to prepare everything just right because they were preparing for guests that they had invited. Now, when you look at this text, the people were not invited on the day of the feast. The people got an invitation prior to the day of the feast. So they knew that the feast was being prepared. So that's why it was a particular insult, even more insulting, that they, even having known that the feast had been prepared decided to ignore the invitation. They knew that the, 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 the host was preparing a great feast. They knew that he was going through great expense and great effort to prepare a feast for them. Much like the sisters who prepared and, and, and prepared for all of the guests that were to come. Can you imagine how they would have felt if they showed up and the only people that were here were the Sandy Lane sisters and everybody else ignored the invitation and said, we're not going. We're not, we're not, you know, we know they, you know, we don't care. We're not going. In Matthew 22, you see that these individuals ignored, and, and the second invitation that the, that, the, that the king sent out was even more uh, uh, heart-wrenching than the first one. Because the first time, he just sent them out, okay, sup, come on, the feast is ready. And when, this, when his, his, his servants came back and said, you know, they're not coming, he said, go back again and tell them, hey, listen, you know, I've got all the things that you like. I've, I've, the, the fattened calf, everything has been, been killed, everything is prepared. Come on, come to the feast. Can you imagine the excitement he must have felt inviting people to come to, because of the, the, the painstaking preparation that was made for this feast and to have that met with such disdain, to have the people just ignore the invitation. Can you imagine the king saying, hearing from, the, from his servants, no one's coming? But I, I have all this, I have all this, this food. I've been preparing for a long time. I, I, know, I know that these are things that they like. You, you mean they're not coming? And 
also to hear that some of the servants that were just simply bringing the invitation, they had such disdain for the invitation that they killed the messengers. You killed messengers who were simply carrying my message. This parable is likened to the gospel of Christ. When you think about those Christians, those servants in the first century who carried the gospel message, they carried the invitation to Christ. They carried the, the, the invitation to the wedding feast. They were carrying a message of salvation. They weren't carrying their own message. They were delivering the message that had been given to them by the Savior. The Savior said, go out and carry my message to those who are lost. But just like in this parable, this was a foretelling of what was going to happen. People refused the message. After all that Jesus did, you mean you're not coming? That's why he was as angry as he was. He was as he was angry because he knew what it took to prepare this great feast. God is angry with individuals who refuse his invitation because he know he knew he knows what it took to make all of this possible. I had to I had to sacrifice my own son to make it possible for you to have a relationship with me. And yet you in your own ignorance decide that this is not anything that's worth your time. It's not worth your time to accept this invitation that I've gone to great lengths to prepare for you. You say, you say no, but, th- but what, Jesus, what, what, the, what the host says at the end, he says, you know what? They're not worthy. They're not worthy of this invitation. What I have prepared for them, they have refused it. And they will not get another invitation. In, in Luke uh, 14, it says they will not taste of my supper. Because it wasn't important to them. The people in Luke chapter 14, they were given excuses about things that, that, that could certainly have waited. I bought some land. I need to go and look, check it. That could have waited. I bought some oxen. I need to go prove it. That could have waited. The one who married a wife, he said, I married a wife. I'm just not coming. That could have waited. All of these things that we put in front of God could have waited. All of the things that we think are so important, those things can wait. When God extends an invitation to all of us to come to his wedding feast, to come to his feast, to come and be a part of what he has provided, what he has worked so hard to provide for us, everything else can wait but sometimes we think that what we have going on is so important. You know, I, I have to be, I have to do this, I have to do that. And we neglect the most important thing, and that is serving God. And in Matthew 22, there's another part of that that's, that's interesting. There was also a guest that accepted the invitation, but he didn't come in the proper garment. That too. Was infuriating. To the host. Because here's a man. 
that decided, oh, I'll come. You're having a wedding? I'll come. I'll come to the feast. But I'll, I'll come on my own terms. That's what that's likened to. An individual who's deciding on his, or his own righteousness. I'm coming to your feast. I'm going to accept your invitation, but I'm going to come the way that I want. Uh, verse number in chapter Matthew 22, verse number 10. So, this, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, you know what, this, before I get to that point, you know what this is all about. The, the, the gospel message was first intended for the Jews. Those were God's chosen people. Those were the individuals who were looking for a savior. They were looking for a savior, but when the savior didn't come the way they thought he should have come, they were looking for someone coming with great pomp and circumstance, you know, and, and great, great parade. That's what they were looking for. But when Jesus came in the humble way that he did, they rejected him. They said, this, this can't be, this can't be who we were looking for. So that's what this is all about. When the gospel message was extended first to the Jews, that was the limited, uh, the limited uh, commission. It was extended first to the Jews, and they refused it. And so Jesus says, and, that, and, and when he says, go out, that's when the doors were open to the Gentiles. Just go and tell every, go out into the streets, because I've prepared a supper, and guests are going, my house is going to be full. So those who were looking for Jesus rejected him. The very Savior that they were looking for, they, he, he came, but that's not, that's not how they want it. They are much like the, the man who showed up to the wedding with his own garment. They want to decide their own righteousness. This man did not have on the proper garment. And when he was asked about that in, in verse, number, uh, verse number 12, and look how he addressed him. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We cannot decide our own righteousness. What this man when you think about what he did, the, the, the garment represents the character that God expects each of us to have as Christians, the Christian character. Sometimes individuals, they come to Christ, but they come with the idea that they're going to come on their own terms. I'm, I'm not really repentant. I'm, I'm not really fully invested, fully vested in what, what, what God is calling me to. I'm going to decide... How it is that I'm going to serve God. And God, you just have to accept it. When you think about uh, the, when Cain and Abel, when they, they both offered a sacrifice to God. But Cain's offering was rejected. Cain wanted to decide what God was going to accept. God rejected his offering. And Cain was upset. And God says, well, why are you upset? Had you done well, your offering would have been accepted. But Cain was upset because he, 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 he decided, he, you know, he, I, I, I brought an offering. But it wasn't what God would accept. Many times we bring our, our offering, our, our spiritual offerings to God, but God rejects it because we're bringing it on our own terms. 
we're asking God to accept something that he has not authorized. Many denominational churches today are, are, are so-called praising God, making offerings that God won't accept. Because they're not offering it based upon what his word has said. The white robe of innocence, which was worn by Adam and Eve when they were first created. They had a great relationship with God when they were first created. There was no sin. They were completely innocent. But when sin entered into the world as a result of their, their disobedience, they, what did they do? They went and they sold fig leaves together. Because they were trying to hide their nakedness. Had they remained true to God, it would ever have uh, continued, his, 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 his innocence and his goodness would have continued to enshroud them. But when sin entered, that severed the connection with God and the light that had encircled them departed. They were naked and ashamed. They were always naked, but now they were naked and ashamed. And they sold these fig leaves together. They were trying to present themselves in a way that they felt God would accept. So they sold their own fig leaves together. They have worn the garments of their own devising by the works of their own hands. They tried to cover their sins and make themselves acceptable to God. That's what is represented by this individual that showed up to the wedding in his own garment. But this can never happen. Nothing man can do can supply the place of the, of, of the innocence that God has enshrouded him with. No fig leaf garment, no worldly citizen dress can be worn by those who sit down with Christ at the marriage feast. If you come to the feast, you must have on, you must be adorned in the character that God has established for his people. We cannot decide our own righteousness Many individuals who refused the invitation of the Savior, they were cast into outer darkness because of their disdain and their disrespect, their utter disrespect for the host that extended the invitation. Now, what kind of preparation was involved in preparing this supper? The preparation involved the death of, of Jesus Christ. How he prepared that supper. And again. These, these individuals they knew. That the supper was being prepared. They were waiting for the, the Jews. They were waiting for a savior. But this supper. How was this supper prepared? Can you imagine the conversation in heaven. Before the foundation of the world. God deciding we're going to create a world. We're going to inhabit it with animals of all kinds, but we're also going to inhabit it with human beings that are made in our image and in our likeness. But this man, this human being, is going to be disobedient to me. They're going to sin and they're going to sever their relationship with me. So I need, we need to come up with something that will be acceptable, an acceptable sacrifice to redeem man back to me and so son it's going to involve 
you taking on the form of man. You are going to need to go down. Because no, other, no, no animal sacrifice is going to be sufficient. It's going to be necessary for you to go down in the form of a man. Take on human flesh. Live among those human beings who've sinned against me. Whom you've helped create. They're going to reject you. They're going to uh, humiliate you. They're going to cast you out. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear anything that you have to say. And on top of that, they're going to kill you. And when you think about, when you look at the, the, the in, in Matthew, I believe, Matthew uh, 15, I believe, the rendering of the, the crucifixion and how all of those events that took place and how Jesus was just humiliated how he was brought before Pilate and then Pilate sent him to Herod and Herod, Herod treated him as if he was some type of, some type of showman. He said, I've been, I've been actually waiting to meet you. I was hoping maybe to, to see a miracle that you would do. But neither man found anything wrong with Jesus. Neither Pilate nor Herod found anything wrong with Jesus. Pilate, and, and it was at that time that they, it was customary to release a prisoner to the people. He says, let me, let me release him. Well, you know, Barabbas is here. Let me release Jesus. They said, no, no, no. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. We would rather release Barabbas and have Jesus crucified. And, and, I, hear the, and, and I, can, I can hear Pilate saying, as the scriptures say, but what evil has he done? What has he done wrong that's worthy of death? But they still said, crucify him. Supper is being prepared, ladies and gentlemen. They take him and they beat him mercilessly. And then they place a crown of thorns on his head. Supper is being prepared. They take him out to the cross and they hammer the nails in his feet and in his hands. Supper is being prepared. They lift the cross and they drop it into the ground as he's hanging there. The nails tearing at his flesh. Supper is being prepared. And it's not enough that he's hanging there already dying. But somebody decides, you know, you know, he hasn't he hasn't suffered enough. Let me take my sword and pierce him in his side. He's already in pain. You've beaten him. You've already spiked his hands and his feet. Now I'm going to pierce him in the side. Supper is being prepared. As the sword enters his body, tearing the flesh, out comes blood and water. The supper is being seasoned. With the blood, the sweat, and the tears of our Savior. Supper is ready. That's what it took to make this supper possible for all of us. This didn't come at some light expense. This supper came at great expense 
and great pain and great trial of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do for us. He could have decided to come down, but he didn't. Because according to John 3.16, God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm willing to sacrifice the son, my son, for you, you wicked human beings. And even after all of that, you're still going to reject my invitation. They laid him in the tomb and they thought they had him. They laid him in the tomb and they thought, we've gotten rid of this Jesus. We've gotten rid of this, this imposter, this man who claims to be the son of God. We've gotten rid of him. But what they didn't really understand was that he truly was the son of God. And on Sunday, he got up. He got up from the grave. And once he was risen from the grave, he said to his disciples, go out and extend my invitation. Supper is ready. Come to the feast. It's ready. For those who will be recipients, those who will accept the invitation, we, we, can't, we can't shirk at all that has been done on our behalf. When we think about our individual lives, and we can't decide on our own righteousness, we can't decide that God can accept whatever I offer him. I can come in my own wedding garments. That won't be acceptable. We have to come adorned as God has prepared for us to be adorned. We have to come in the humility and the character and the righteousness of God. That's what's acceptable to God. Supper is ready. And we can't be, don't be like these individuals who, who thought it, who just took it so lightly. And thought so little of the preparation that was made to make salvation possible for all of us. Now, as we sit here and as we listen to this story and as we listen to these points, think introspectively about your own life. And think about where you stand with the Lord. Think about, have I, have I, have I, been, have I tried to offer the Lord something that I've want, I think he should accept? Have I not been as, 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 as righteous and as spiritual as the Lord would have me to be? Have I shirked some of my responsibilities thinking, you know, you know it's, it's no big deal. It's just a, just a wedding feast. Have I forgotten the sacrifice? Have we forgotten the sacrifice that was made? The painful sacrifice that was made on, on our behalf to make possible our being here today. To make possible our being, having a relationship with God. Have we forgotten that? And if that is the case this morning. If you have forgotten all that was done on your behalf and you've taken lightly what was offered to you, what was offered for you, you have the opportunity. You're blessed to be here this morning. You're blessed with this opportunity to renew, and, and that's a great word, to renew your covenant, to get back on track and get back in line. And begin to do the things and begin to live the life that God is pleased with. You know, we don't, we, you know, our, our time here is not promised. We don't know when God's going to call any of us home. So it's imperative for all of us 
to ensure that we live every single day of our lives in a way that God is pleased. Supper's ready. The invitation has been extended. And if you're here today and you're not, you have not accepted the invitation of God, the invitation is extended to you as well. This great feast has been prepared with you in mind. Everything that God did, he did with mankind in mind. It was all about saving man. It was all about redeeming man and bringing him back into a right relationship with him. That's what God, that, that's all about what, what the Bible and what, what the whole story of the, the gospel is all about. So if you have not yet accepted that, you're here, you have the opportunity, don't leave this place today without having accepted Christ's invitation. You've heard the gospel, prayerfully, you believe what you've heard. And as a result of having heard and believed, you're, you're now sorry that, Lord, I'm sorry for everything that I've done that you've not been pleased with to this point in my life. I'm sorry for having rejected you to this point. I, I'm now ready to receive you. I'm now ready to take you at your word. That's called repentance. Come forward and confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then be buried in water baptism for the remission of your sins. And God will wash away all of your sins. He will forgive you of everything that you've done wrong. And he will add you. You'll be able to sit at the table. You'll be able to sit at the table and be a part of the family of God. The invitation song that we're going to sing is the song that the sisters sang yesterday. There's a whole lot of people going home. And that's a very, that's a very uh, pointed and heart-wrenching song because it says there are a whole lot of people going home. By the signs of time, it won't be long. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be gone. There's a whole lot of people going home. Let us together stand. There's a whole lot of people going home. By the signs of time, it won't be long. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be gone. There's a whole lot of people going home. There's a whole lot of people going home. By the signs of time, it won't be long. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be gone. There's a whole lot of people going home. I can see him at the table, almost ready to say come, knowing there will be no empty settings, for the rest of the family's coming home. There's a whole lot of people going home. 
By the signs of time it won't be long In the twinkling of an eye we'll all be gone There's a whole lot of people going home Some will go into a panic Saying, Lord, sing another verse of that song. Saying, Lord, here I am right now, I'm ready. But the last opportunity is gone. There's a whole lot of people going home. By the signs of time, it won't be long. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be gone. There's a whole lot of people going home. There's a whole lot of people going home. There's a whole lot of people going home.